Let's take the word of God and turn to the Old Testament book of the Song of Solomon. Whatever my God ordains is right. Sometimes it doesn't feel right, does it? But if he be in control, and if he be all wise and all knowing, then whatever he ordains is right. So we leave it there. This is a beautiful book. It's becoming more and more dear to me every week. The Song of Solomon. It's called in the first chapter, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Meaning it's the greatest of all songs. And it's the greatest of all songs, not because Solomon wrote it, but because it's about Jesus and his bride. And there's nothing more precious than to understand the Lord Jesus loves me. And if you've been brought to that understanding, then you can say a hearty amen that nothing's more precious. To feel perhaps rejected and despised by others, to feel as if you don't belong in other places, but to be persuaded that Christ Jesus loves you. If you know that, everything else will be okay. This entire book is about the love of Christ for his church, for the bride. That's what it is. We come to the sixth chapter. If you remember the last time we looked at this portion of Scripture, the bride, us, you could say the believer, she was experiencing great sorrow because the Lord had withdrew himself because of her laziness towards the Lord, because of her sleeping and slumbering. The shepherd withdrew his presence for a season so that she would wake up and come after him. And if you remember the last time we, we talked and met about this text, there were a group of citizens called the daughters of Jerusalem. And she came to them and said, if you see my beloved, would you tell him that I am lovesick, sick with love, sick of love? And they said, well, hold on just a moment. What is thy beloved more than another? And can I just say, believer, there's no greater opportunity than that, than that particular opportunity when somebody asks you, what makes Jesus so special? And boy, she was ready. She was ready to answer, not because she had memorized something off of Google or had gotten some carefully, carefully ordered apologetic postulate. No, she just spoke her heart. She just opened her heart and said, my beloved is white and ruddy and he's the fairest, the chiefest among 10,000. And she goes on this spiel with 10 descriptions, specific descriptions of how great he is. And at the end of it all, she says, look, he's just altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend. And the response of her explanation is what I am most interested in tonight. And this is where we find our, our next, really our, our next sermon. The first verse of chapter 6. Look at it with me. Whither is thy beloved gone, O thou fairest among women? Now, if you remember, the last question was, well, what is thy beloved more than another beloved? What makes him better than anybody else? And the next question is, okay, I see. Where is he gone? Whither is thy beloved gone, O thou fairest among women? Whither is thy beloved turned aside, that we may seek him with thee? 
She says, my beloved has gone down into his garden to the beds of spices to feed in the gardens and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He feedeth among the lilies. This is beautiful. The bride, the, the bride's explanation of who and what her beloved is more than another beloved calls these people to ask this next question. Well, where is he? I want to know him also. Where is he? Twice they ask, whither is thy beloved gone? And whither is thy beloved turned aside? Where, where did he go? And where did you last see him? Can I say tonight that the seeking soul goes often from skepticism of who Christ is and, and what makes him better. They go from there when they are convinced of that. They then go to, okay, tell me, how can I find it? I believe you. I see what you're saying. That does sound pretty good. He, he sounds amazing. I'm beginning to see just how lovely he is. But can you tell me where I can find him? I love the words of these daughters. Whither is he that we may seek him with thee? And perhaps tonight you find yourself amongst the daughters of Jerusalem and perhaps tonight you've heard long about Jesus. You know much of what he's done and you know something of his character. And maybe tonight there's no question in your heart and mind as to the validity of it all. But rather, where is he? And how can you get to him? I've met many a seeking soul who have said, said pretty much the same thing. I know that I must be saved and I, I know that I must be born again. And I know that Christ and Christ alone is my only hope. And I believe that, yes, he died upon the cross, was buried and rose again. But how can I come? I've often preached uh, the words of Jesus. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I've often given the invitation to come. And I was stopped one time in the Netherlands after preaching. I preached a gospel meeting in the school hall. and was there till one o'clock in the morning talking with seeking souls. One young man came to me in tears after the meeting and he said, I was preaching him a prodigal son. And I said, just come home. He came to me in tears and he said, but how do I come? And where do I go? I could have in vain said, go to Jesus all night long, but he did not know where Jesus was and how to get to Jesus. This is often the question of a seeking soul. They don't need to be convinced that they need the Savior. They know they need the Savior. They don't need to be convinced that Jesus is the Savior. They just need to find out where he is. How to get to him. And that's the question that we find this evening. These daughters of Jerusalem had been convinced. Now they wanted to know where he was. And I love what they say, that we may seek him with thee. What precious words. They had come to understand that this little bride, although she'd be separated for a time from her beloved, this little bride knew where to find the good shepherd. This little wayward one, you could say, even in her state of, of being away and separated from her, from her beloved, from her Savior and her Lord, this one knew how to get these others to the Savior. Whatever my God ordains is right. There are times when my, my walk and my path seems to go 
in, in diversions, places I never wanted to go. And I find myself sometimes far and distant in my own walk with the Lord thinking, where are you, Lord? It's often in those times, in those challenging moments of my own walk with Christ, that the Lord brings some seeking one in. And they ask me how they can know my Savior. And it's often in those times, in those moments, that I am restored to my beloved, and I'm also able to take the one seeking to my beloved, from whom I have felt separation. What marvelous providence of God that he would be able to bring these two things together like here. These, these women say, look, I'm going with you. I'm going to look for him with you. You've been there before. You, you know who he is. You know where he is. So show me the way. So what's the answer? Where is my beloved? Perhaps tonight you're asking the same question. It's interesting to me that the one who is separated for a season from her beloved seems to know immediately what answer to give. Now that's interesting because she's looking for her beloved. And yet the question is, where is he? And she knows exactly where he is. Isn't that the way it is sometimes? Sometimes when we as children of God are distant from our Lord, it's not because we don't really know where he is. We haven't given the energy and effort to go find him and there be restored unto him. I know I'm not reading like I should and I'm, I know I'm not seeking the Lord as I should on my knees and prayer. I know my, my prayer life is lacking. I know that I, I've begun to drift a little bit. I don't know where the Lord is. Sometimes it's only when somebody says, well, how can I find him? That our memory is jogged and we are challenged and we are reminded. And she answers in verse number two, my beloved is gone down into his garden. To the beds of spices, to feed in the gardens and to gather lilies. Where do we find him? Very quickly and very clearly, she says, down in his garden. No, I love this. Some have imagined that his garden is in heaven with all the holy angels and heavenly beings. And that's where Christ has gone, where he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But the scriptures say he's gone down into his garden. Because it has always been the will and desire of God to dwell amongst his people. Tonight, if you wonder where to find him, you find him where his people are. You find him wherever his people have united in heart and mind for his glory and his honor and are determined to live for his glory and determined to seek him with all that they have. That's where you'll find him. That's where you'll find him. Already in chapter 4, we know that the garden is, is another term for his church, for his bride. Chapter 4 and verse number 16. Awake, O north wind, and come thou south. Blow upon my garden that the spices thereof may flow out. Let my beloved come into his garden. Your life is a garden. Your soul is like a garden. We looked at that a while ago. So where is he? He is with his people. Dwelling amongst his people. Even tonight. He's here amongst his people. Chapter 5 and verse number 1. 
I am coming to my garden, says the bridegroom, says the Lord Jesus, my sister, my spouse. That's where he is tonight. The picture is the idea of a man leaving the comforts of the palace, walking through his garden to enjoy the beauties of his garden. The Lord Jesus has left the he left a while ago the comforts of heaven to come to this sin-cursed earth, didn't he? To bleed and die for our sins. He ascended up into heaven where he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But tonight, he's taken up residence in the heart of his children. And he dwells with us. This has always been God's plan. I remind you, in Genesis chapter 3, that was the plan of God to walk amongst his people. In verse 8 and verse number 9, they heard the voice, Adam and Eve heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Why? Where was he walking? In the garden. Where his people were. That's where he was walking. Just a few pages to the right, and you'll find in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9, a beautiful verse. Now these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. In chapter 5, verse number 22, you find another interesting character. And Enoch walked with God. Did you know it has always been God's desire to walk with us? That's amazing. I don't know where to find him. Find him where his people are. Well, you know, I don't really like church. Full of a bunch of hypocrites. Genesis 17 verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse number 12. A beautiful promise of the things that were to come. Leviticus 26 and verse number 12. We find this in other Old Testament prophecies as well. Listen to this uh, precious expectation. And I will walk among you. And will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Can you imagine walking, am- God walking amongst us? He will do that one day. We shall see the Lord face to face. He shall w- dwell and live in our midst. But now He walks amongst us, within us. Micah chapter six. You know the uh, the expectation. What does God require of thee? You know that one. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. With thy God. It's God's desire to walk together with you. Now, can I ask you this evening, child of God, are you walking with him? If an unbeliever wanted to find God, could they come to you, the garden of your life, and find him because that's where he's walking and that's where you're walking. Romans 8, 1 says, There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. Well, what walking together with God? And oh, how we can point others and others can find the Savior just by coming in our midst. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7, John says, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light. Can I tell you, child of God, it's His desire to commune with you tonight. If you've been born again by the Spirit of the living God, then it is the desire of God and of His Son, the Lord Jesus, and of His Spirit that they might walk together with us. And in walking and dwelling with us, those who are seeking might come to be with us 
and know something of our God and something of our Savior. I wonder tonight, are you walking with Him? What's He doing? My beloved has gone down into His garden to the beds of spices to feed in the gardens and to gather lilies. You might say, well, what's He doing there with all the Christians, those hypocrites? What's He doing there, you know? Why would He ever be with those people? He loves us. I can't explain it all. I don't really know all the answers, but I know that he loves me. I wouldn't want to be around me most of the times, but he does. It's an amazing thing that the beautiful creator God in perfection, in holiness, and righteousness wants to be with me. And he wants to be with you. If you're his child. In fact, it's his desire to walk amongst his people. And he, his desire is to feed us. He's there in his garden, feeding in the garden. He's not feeding himself. He might be partaking of some of the blessings of the garden, but he is feeding us in the garden. He comes in our midst. When we gather together, he comes to feed us. He comes to guide us. He's the great shepherd of our souls. That's why the... The gathering together of the saints is not optional. And that's why the gathering together of the church, of the body, is, is not secondary. But it is so much the more as you see the day approaching. The nearer we get to the return of Christ, we must gather together that He might walk and we might sense Him in our midst, that we might be fed together as the sheep of His pasture. We read this morning. He is a most precious Good shepherd. He's feeding us. Now watch what else he's doing. I love this. My beloved has gone down into his garden to the beds of spices to feed in the gardens and to gather lilies. But you know that we find in the scripture that lilies are a picture of his chosen children. Picked for himself. And even now you might say that in a meeting like this when God's people are gathered together that he's gathering his lilies together. And you say, I don't know where to find him. Will you go wherever God's people are because it is there that he delights in gathering together more. It is his of his good pleasure to gather another lily. And perhaps even tonight he might pluck the lily of your soul and add it to the company of his believers. Oh, how precious it is. John chapter 11, we find similar wording. John 11, verse 51 and 52. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation and not for that nation only, but that also, watch this, listen to this, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. It is the will of God that he would gather together one lily at a time, one soul at a time, until there are some from every tribe and every kindred and every tongue and every nation gathered together to make the most beautiful bouquet of souls that have been gathered for his glory. Hallelujah. And that's what he's doing now. Gathering lilies. I remind you that uh, this is exactly how he, he referred to uh, to the little 
to the little gr- uh, bride earlier in the book of Song of Solomon in chapter 2 and verse number 1. She says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. We sometimes attribute those those sayings to Christ, but but uh, I remind you that the rose of Sharon was nothing to behold and the lily of the valley was was uh, was nothing really that special. And he chooses the little lily for himself. Again in chapter 2 and verse number 16, she says, my beloved is mine and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. Gathering souls for himself. And can I just say tonight, he does a gathering work in the garden of his church. It is crucial that we gather and meet together because in meeting together, we are united. We're gathered together, bunched up. Oh, a rose is beautiful on its own, no doubt about it. But oh, how much more beautiful when flowers are gathered together and perfectly placed in a bouquet. And that's the way what the Lord is doing even here in this church, in this gathering, how important it is that, that the lilies be gathered together. We find something of this, uh, of, of that which is to come. We have a gathering even now, no doubt about it, but there is another, a greater gathering that will one day take place in Matthew chapter 24. We read it briefly this morning, but let me read just a couple of verses for you. Matthew 24, you'll be familiar with the prophecy in verse number 31. Uh, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, the return of Christ, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory and before Him shall shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another. The lilies on this side and the dandelions on that side. He'll separate the sheep from the goat. He'll put those who belong to him, those whom he has plucked from the very rubbish soil of the earth and and redeemed for his own, those he'll put aside and separate us, the wheat from the chaff. Now, can I ask you this evening, do you belong to that bundle of lilies or do you belong to that fake flower called the dandelion? You think you're beautiful, but in just a matter of time, you'll be reduced to one of those... Which one are you? Are you one of his lilies that have been gathered? Well, I don't know if I should come anymore. I've been coming to church for a year and nothing's any different. I I know I need to be saved. I I don't know. No, no, no. It's here in his garden where he gathers the lilies. Where you hear his word. You hear his call and his voice and his spirit can work on your heart and tug a little bit more. So I urge you, keep coming. And that's my last thought. You find him in his word. Now watch what happens in verse number three of the Song of Solomon, chapter six. After she says, my beloved's gone down into his garden. And, and while he's there, he's visited the bed of spices. And, and he's, he's uh, feeding in the gardens and he's gathering these lilies. And then she says, hold on a moment. I am my beloved's. And my beloved is mine. He feedeth among the lilies. As if speaking of him gathering the lilies, she's reminded that she herself was a little lily. She belongs to him. And he belongs to her. Can I just say to you, Christian, if you're feeling down tonight and discouraged and feeling doubtful, not where you ought to be, one of the best things you can do is speak of your beloved Savior. One of the best things you can do is go out and tell others where they might find him. And in so doing, your your, your memory will be jogged that you belong to him. And he does love you indeed. I remember I was feeling sorry for myself as a young believer. I was 18 years old, recently converted. I went 
to make my complaint before an older gentleman in the church. And he said to me, young man, uh, go visit a care home. I said, okay. Go visit a care home and sit down with some of those dear folks who cannot leave where they are and, and speak to them about the loveliness of Christ. Well, that's a strange thing to do. I'm feeling down, I said. So I took his advice. I went to a care home and I sat down with some of these elderly saints and, and began to speak of Christ. And oh, the tears began to roll down their cheeks as the only thing that could, they could remember were the words of scripture and the words of hymns. And as they wept, I wept. And I was reminded that I am my beloved's and he is mine. Can I ask you this evening? Are you assured of that? You see, in speaking of the truth of who her Savior was, in speaking of the truth of what his Savior is doing and what he delights in doing, she was reassured of her position in Christ. And so will you be. You see, she found him while she was pointing others to him. Where do you find him? You find him in his word. You see, this conversation reminded her of his love for her. Now, he had already expressed his love to her over and over again. He'd already proven his love to her. He'd already called her my love and my dove and already expressed with words inexpressible, you could say. He'd already given all that he could to let her know that he loved her. She just needed to be reminded that those words still stood true today. And every once in a while, God's child just needs to be reminded that if he said it once, he still means it now. Every once in a while, we need to be reminded that his word does not change. And, and maybe my feelings have changed, but he has not changed. And therefore, I find him in the promises of his word. I find him in his word because whatever he says is true. And he's already said it to her on multiple occasions, but now she believes it. Yeah. Oh, the difference. Yeah. There's a great difference, isn't it? I can say, you know, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I believe it, then it sounds like this. Whosoever Amen. calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. That's the change in it. You see the difference? Oh, I've read it, but yeah, whosoever shall go. No, 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 no. I believe it. I know it. And that's the difference in the bride's voice now. Hold on, hold on just a moment, she says. Hold on just a moment. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Some of you tonight need to be reminded that you belong to him, that you are one of his lilies, that he has plucked you from the miry clay and set your feet upon a rock. Amen. Don't forget it. Maybe your feet are slipping again, but you're on the solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Be encouraged. You are your beloved's. Do you believe it tonight? Do you trust his word? I hope so. It's interesting. Three times in this book of the Song of Solomon, she refers to him as her beloved. The first one is in chapter 2, verse 16. She says this, I am, my beloved is mine and I am his. Okay. The next time is what we've just read here. She switches it around. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Now things are beginning to change in her understanding of her relationship with the groom, in her relationship with the Savior. And I hope and I believe that the, the longer you're in Christ and the more you're grounded in the Savior, 
your understanding and perspective begins to change of your relationship with Christ. First, it was like this. Well, my beloved's mine. He belongs to me. He's mine. And those were words, words that brought her a false sense of security. If you remember, she was hiding away and she thought she thought she could visit him later. Come back another time. She said yeah, he belongs to me. So come back another time. But now now she's she's reminded. Hold on a moment. I belong to him. He picked me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of his lilies. He reached down and picked me. And because of that, I love him because he first loved me. There's a deeper understanding. And the third time she mentions it is in chapter 7. And I think this is the most beautiful. She says, I am my beloved. She drops. The, my beloved is mine. The third time, I am my beloved's and his desire is toward me. I belong to him and he loves me. Whether I feel it or not. Whether I feel like he's mine or not. Look, I belong to him and he loves me. Sometimes I can't find him. Sometimes I can't feel his presence. And, and sometimes I pray for days and can't seem to break through. And sometimes I despair and want to give up. But I am my beloved's. And he loves me. That cannot change. Love me with an everlasting love. Let this lift you tonight, child of God. Let it remind you that you belong to him and he loves you. She says, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. And he's, he does feed amongst the lilies. She just got done telling these, these ladies, the daughters of Jerusalem, look, he, he's, he's feeding in his garden and he's gathering lilies. Oh, he feeds among his lilies. I'm, I'm one of his. I'm one of his. So tonight, the message, I hope, will do two things. It will help the seeking soul know where to find him. He'll be found amongst his people, amongst those who really know him and love him, are assured of his love for them, and reciprocate that love back to him. That's where he'll be found. Don't try to find him anywhere else. Don't try to find him through some strange feeling and circumstance by taking some weird drug and trying to open it up some sort of other realm. No, no, no. Don't find him any other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it's pleased Christ to be found amongst his people. That's his greatest desire, is for his people to be united, gathered together, and for him to be dwelling in their midst. In Revelations chapter 2 and 3, he's found walking amongst the candlesticks of the churches. He loves being with his people, especially where his people are gathered. It's when his people were gathered that the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and that Pentecostal moment took place. It was when his people were gathered that we always see movements of God. Oh, he delights in walking amongst his gathered people. So if you want to find him, then let us not forsake the gathering of the saints together. And Christian, if you're feeling down tonight, you just start pointing the way. You just start holding your hand up. As Mr. Bassett used to say, I'm just a signpost. Witnessing to a blind person one time and they said to him, oh, I wish I could see you. I wish I knew what you looked like. He said, I look like a signpost pointing the way to Jesus. I was a little discouraged this week and called up Emre and the two of us headed into town to shout at the top of our lungs about the love of Christ. And the coming of the Savior. 
And you know what it did for me? It lifted me to point the way to seeking souls. And you know, at the last moment, we both preached twice. And he said, I want to go one more time, he said to me. One more time. And two minutes and 33 seconds into it, a man burst into tears as he was walking by. He said, I'm a hopeless alcoholic. My wife has left me. I've lost my son. Fell off scaffolding last week because I show up to work drunk every day. I don't know what to do. And he burst into tears as we began to tell him that the Lord Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. And hung his head in shame. He said, do you think he could save someone like me? Oh, how our souls were lifted after we spoke to him and took his details and arranged to meet up with him this week. And we went skipping down the street together rejoicing. Probably thought we were a couple of madmen, but that's okay. We were rejoicing because in telling and pointing others to our beloved Savior, it reassured us, topped up our joy. And believer, that's one of the best things you can do. If you're feeling down tonight and feeling you're distant from your Lord, you start pointing others to him, you'll find yourself near to him again. In fact, the very next verse, after she comes to the conclusion, hold on, I am my beloved's and he is mine and I'm one of his lilies. Then the voice of the beloved, thou art beautiful, oh my love. Can you imagine the chill bumps that ran up and down her spine? Amazing, out of nowhere, there he was, reunited again. And you'll find from this point on, she's never separated again the rest of the book. It's beautiful. I wonder tonight where you are with the Lord. Maybe you're still seeking. Can I urge you, don't you give up? Can I just plead with you, don't stop? You'll find him in his word. You just have to take him at his word and trust him. Believe his word. You'll find him amongst his children. And believer, carry on. Let us not grow weary and in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let us carry on. If tonight you're seeking the Lord and you know you need to be saved, but you're not quite sure where to find him, then please come speak with me after the meeting. Come speak with another. And I'll talk to you just like this bride did about where you can find him. I cannot save you, but you can join me in seeking him as the daughters of Jerusalem did here. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, we are humbled that a perfect God could love such imperfect people. I am convinced, Lord, that there has been nothing that I have ever done that has earned thy favor. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I'm thankful, Lord, that it has pleased thee to search the mountain ranges and the deserts and the valleys below to find those lilies to be plucked up and gathered together. We thank thee, Lord, for thy saving grace. Oh, how precious it is. Encourage some of the downcast believers tonight. Remind them of thy love, Lord. 
Remind them of who they are in Christ. And I pray for the seeking ones tonight. May they open thy word, and maybe even this evening, open their heart that they might believe thy word. Help them to see these precious truths and promises. And may they be taken and applied to their heart. Save one tonight. Gather another lily into the bunch this evening. Bring another sheep into the fold tonight, Lord. Do that wonderful work of salvation this evening. We ask these things and commit these requests to thee in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and for his sake.